Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris, and uh, um, I'm here to just share a bit of my uh, my story on on how I came to Christ. Uh, I grew up in a in a Christian home, and uh, my parents served in the church that we went to, and so uh, I was there all the time. Like a lot of kids here today, here spend a lot of time at uh, at church, and uh, I was baptized as an infant, and. Um, um, yeah, I, I just grew up in the church um, going, understanding, listening, and hearing about God, but it never really, like, clicked and made sense for me as, a, as an infant, as, as a kid. Um, but I joined a, a, a cadet club. It was like a boys, Boy Scouts type of thing through, through my home church. And when I was in grade five, we went on this big camporee, and it was with all the churches in the Fraser Valley that had the same program. We went out, and uh, on the Sunday, there was a, one of the counselors was, was, it was giving a sermon. And at the end of the sermon, he asked, um, do, do you love Jesus? And I went, well, yeah, I love Jesus, of course. The next question was, do you want to serve Jesus? Well, the answer was, yes, of course I did. And do you want others to know about Jesus? Well, of course, Jesus is awesome. Why wouldn't I? And he asked the question, would you like to give your life to Jesus? Would you like to make a commitment to Jesus? And at that time, in grade five, I just went, yeah, of course I do. Like, I love, I love God. I love Jesus. This is great. And so in grade five, I made that, I made that commitment to Jesus um, that I would follow him. And uh, through that, I came home. I told my parents. My parents were so impressed and so, so happy with that. And uh, my dad had this really uh, brilliant idea. He had, um, he had brought a set of drums uh, home. He wanted to learn to play drums. It was, at that time, there was no drums in our church. It was just a piano and singers. That was it. And so he thought, we need to liven this up a bit. So he bought a drum set, and he was going to play. But he was not very good <laughs> at all. And he kind of knew that. But I was kind of fiddling on the drums at that point in time as well. So my dad, being a smart man, decided that he would start playing in church, even though he was horrible, because he knew that I would not let him go through with that. So he, in some ways, coerced me into learning to play drums so I could play drums in church. And so, my, but my dad knew that. And he knew that having kids that grew up and serve in a church is really important. He's made that commitment that he loves Jesus, he wants to serve Jesus, he wants other people to know. And so he did that. And so I started playing drums in church all through, that was 10 years old in grade 5, so on through there. And uh, learned to play uh, a little bit of bass along the way. And in, uh, in grade 11 is when I got the understanding that music and God had a connection that I didn't really get. I thought, there's music and there's God, and I play in church, and it's fun. We were at a... Um, I played trombone in high school, and we were at a music festival, and we were playing this version of Amazing Grace. And in the middle of the song, as we were playing it, something happened, and it, we, the only thing, way we could describe it is that the Holy Spirit showed up in the middle of our concert that we were playing, and there was some adjudicators that were judging us, and they had all stopped what they were doing. They weren't marking anything down. They stopped. Everyone in our band was pretty much crying. No one could read their music, but we all knew it. And at the end, we go into, after we played this three songs, after we played that song, we went into like a clinic with one of the, with the adjudicators. And he just said, I don't know if it's because you're Christian. I don't know anything about that. But what you did was special. This is the next level of music that we want people to get to. And it made that connection for me, that music reaches out to people. God is in it, and it connects with people. And so um, 
for me, that was a, a, a tipping point for me when I went, this is really big. God is doing something really, really amazing here. And I want to profess my faith to God publicly. And so I did at that time in my church. It's called Profession of Faith. And so I said, God, I want to serve you forever. And I did it in front of the whole church. And, uh, and from then on, um, God has been so great and he's been so gracious and so loving. And uh, yeah, so um, music is a, big part of my, is a big part of my story and how God's helped to draw me closer to him. So that's my story. Right on. Thanks, Chris. Hi. Um, my name is Anita Manderson. Actually, it's Kuypers, because um, I'm married to him now. I got married in January. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, just to know a little bit um, about me. Um, up to three weeks ago, I was working at a pregnancy care center in Abbotsford, and um, I also have a deep love of gardening and cooking. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I was raised in a Christian home, and I accepted uh, Jesus into my heart at a young age. Um, through my parents and church, Christian friends and neighbors, I grew to know more about God and the Bible. Um, while growing up, I always had this um, incredible des desire. My mom is crying. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, desire to know um, more. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, to know more about God uh, and um, the Bible. Um, sorry, and experience his presence in my life. In the summer between grades 9 and 10, I went on a missions trip, which um, basically changed my life. Um, and it changed my thought proce process about who I was in Christ. For the entire two weeks, I was going around telling everyone, you know, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He died for you. And, um, oh goodness, okay. I don't know what's happening. Um, yeah, and so at some point in, in those two weeks, I actually realized how much Jesus actually loved me. And not because of, like, what I had done or, like, who I was, but, like, before all that, he loved me in my sin. He loved me all before that. And I didn't have to be perfect or, like, love me. Um, yeah, for him to love me. I didn't have to be perfect for him to love me. And so um, this completely rocked my world. Um, before um, this, like, I was in very shy and not very confident. And basically, it grew me, who you see now, who is a rel relatively confident person, crying on stage. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> And it's, uh, for me, it's actually interesting because looking back, writing this, um, I, you know, it's been 20 years since I was 14, and um, it still stands out as one of those, like, incredible turning points for me um, where God grabbed me and he said, like, you're, you're going to be mine. And so I was baptized um, that next January, and yeah, and so, I mean, 20 years goes by and, and here I am. And um, there have been lots of ups and downs in, in those last bit of years. And um, each one of us, I think, has our own set of circumstances and, and with particulars of ups and downs in our lives. And that has, is no different than, than for me as well. Um, Christ, I'm so fortunate to that he has been a part of my life and he's been through a part of these circumstances. Um, he's always teaching me something new about his love for me and for others. 
I am thankful that I can say that God has always taken care of me and has provided me with incredible amounts of support through the hard things of life. Um, currently, I am unemployed because of circumstances um, within the ministry that were outside of my control. <laughs> um, I poured three and a half years um, into the organization um, and into the ministry and will mo most likely never receive, uh, see the results um, or the hopes and dreams that I actually had for, for that organization. Um, and it's, I'm deeply disappointed and confused as to what God's plan is for me personally, as well as um, for what he has for the organization and the people that are involved in it. However, um, I lost my place. However, I'm also very confident that God has a plan and is teaching everyone involved in these circumstances. I don't know what the next step is in my life, um, but I know that God's love for me um, is not reflected in my circumstances and that he's incredibly trustworthy. Um, right now, I am aiming to live in gratitude for what he has given me and to know that God is in control. I am very excited to um, enter into membership at Jericho and have been honored to serve alongside um, some incredible people here at Jericho already. So, that's it. Right on. <laughs> uh, thank you guys both for sharing your journeys with us. So, talk to us a little bit about what the objects are that really help you put feet on that in day-to-day -day life. What does that look like for you guys? Okay, so for me, you've all seen it already today. Uh, the object that really um, helps me put my feet on the ground with my faith is, is this, is, is my guitar. And uh, there's actually a, actually a really good story about this guitar. Um, I was uh, 21 years old, and um, I'd been learning to play guitar, not on this one, a different one. didn't have a pickup in it. It was just an old guitar that I had gotten for free from someone just so I could learn. And uh, I was in a, a guy's Bible study at my church, and the guys were saying, you should play in church. You should worship lead. I'm like, no, no. I'm just a drummer and a bass player. I don't, I don't need to worship lead. Let me just do my thing behind the scenes. And they said, no, you need to lead worship. I go, oh, okay, fine, right? But I don't have a guitar. So the guys went out, and they bought this guitar for me, and they gave it to me, and they said, now you have no issues, go and do it. There's nothing standing in your way, no more excuses. And it was a totally transformational moment for me when I realized, okay, now I have no excuses, now I have to step into what God has really called for me to do. And so this object here, it represents what God is doing in and through my life. It's, a, it's something he has blessed me with, but it also represents community and generous community, and people standing around each other and supporting each other and saying, you can do it. You can do it. I love you. I support you. Go ahead. And so it's been so encouraging for me to be able to take that and to be able to bless others and as well encourage others in the things in their life, the, the obstacles that they have moving forward as well. So, yeah, this is, this is my show item today. <laughs> Excellent. And my show item actually is um, not currently right here. It's actually in the um, 
coffee room right now. I actually baked muffins for, for you guys. Um, one, because I feel that it is, um, it represents God's welcome to all of us and it represents how God has gifted me to welcome um, all of you into, into relationship with Christ and to deepen your love of, of, of Christ and for the things that he has in you. And um, it actually is something that I love baking. And when I worked in Saskatchewan at a boarding school, um, I baked all the time, like literally like 60 to like 100 cinnamon buns in a day. Like, and it just, it, it, it was a part of how I, I built relationship and, and built into those people's lives. And so that is just, um, yeah, it's just something where um, I continue to, to find that no matter what I do, um, I've also worked in the horticultural industry, that um, there always seems to be people who need encouragement. There always seems to be people that need to be listened to. And um, they need, need to be told about Jesus. And they need to know that God's love for them is, is incredible. And that um, where they are now, they can be celebrated and loved, but that, that there's an incredible future for them um, in Christ. So I hope you have a muffin. I, yeah, thanks. That's delicious. <laughs> so, so what we want to do is after uh, every set of stories, we want to open up the floor for you to speak blessing, affirmation, words of encouragement, into Chris and Anita's life. So if you would like to reflect something out to them, something that's encouraged you, something that struck you from what they said, uh, a word, a scripture that God gives you, uh, then just stick your hand up and Pastor Wally will come around with the microphone and we'll give just a couple minutes for this. So you got to be quick and on your toes and then we'll pray words of blessing over them. Ariel and I have known Chris and Anita for probably... Uh, I guess about 10 months, 9 or 10 months, and they are two things. They're joyful in the Lord, and they're so sincere. They're just a treat to be with. So if you can get along with them and have a coffee or something, you'll really enjoy them. They're the real thing. I just wanted to say, Anita, when you were here last time, I don't even know how many years ago, six or seven years ago she's for those of you that don't know she was involved in the church and she came alongside alongside Jamie and Rachel and just really mentored them at a time in their lives there were just the two of them that age and there just wasn't really much for them but she poured into their lives and I'm just we're, we are just so grateful for that for that time that you took with them and you mentored and did Bible studies with them and just built relationship and showed love for them at such an important stage of their lives. That was awesome. And Chris, for you to come alongside now and the same thing with the worship. We're so appreciative, even though they don't come out that much because of volleyball, but when they are there, <laughs> we just appreciate um, the time and just the mentoring that goes, as you said, with with music and with worship and um, just pouring into their lives as they're growing and maturing and uh, just coming into who they are in God. So we really appreciate that with both of you. So I, I didn't I didn't know who you were. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess there, there's, there's a moment where everybody meets the next person. Anyway, Chris so... And Anita. <laughs> 
before I knew who you were, Chris, um, several people, and this is, this is when I was involved in, in, in uh, leading a team, and I was playing guitar and singing up front pretty regularly, and uh, they said, you got to meet this guy named Chris. I, and I, I, was, I was like, sure, I'd love to meet this guy named Chris, but I didn't know this guy named Chris. And one morning I was, I was leading, and I recall uh, you and I made eye contact in the middle of a song, and you, were, you just had the biggest grin on your face. And I'm always, I, I'm always marveling at the way, as you've expressed it, and Anita, you expressed it through, through your food. I think food and music are two things that just break down relational barriers in a really, really significant way. And, and as soon as we locked eyes in that worship moment, and I was like, you're with me, I'm with you, the, the, the spirit is, is delighted by what is going on in this moment. And that just fueled, fueled me to, to, to continue praising in a, in a more deep and meaningful way, because now it was finally connected to a face and a person and a body and, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know. But he's really cool. And then afterward, you came and introduced yourself, and you said, you're Chris. I'm like, Chris? No wonder everybody's been talking this guy up. It's just great. So I've just, I'm just so encouraged by the way both of you demonstrate hospitality in your particular sort of fields of interest, baking and music, in the way that that brings people together. And I really experienced that in a profound way as you led me while you were down here, and that was really cool. Anita, what stuck, stuck out to me um, in hearing your story was the encouragement to... Um, but as you said, your, God's love for you and who you are is not based on your circumstances and the confidence that gives you to be who you are and to feel the emotions that you have and the state that you're in and with us, that's a real authentic community. And that really gives me encouragement because too often I think my brokenness or my hurt or my insecurity or my uncertainty or my whatever it is, it, you don't want that to be shown. And if I think about it often, that's because I'm not as secure in my love for who God has for me. So I just wanted to thank you for that encouragement and for embodying that for both. I can see your confidence and the love that God has for you as you're speaking. And I can see at the same time the, the uncertainty and the, the, the everything that goes into who you are at this moment. And yet God's holding you and you're confident in that. And so that was encouraging. Thank you. I'm Maureen Manderson, Anita's mom. Um, I have to say, I can't even look at you, Anita, because I will do it. Um, everybody should have an Anita. Oh, dang. <laughs> um, she's been a delight from the moment I held her um, in my arms as a newborn, but um, she has been delight a delightful young woman all the way through her life. Um, pouring into others has been definitely one of her um, attributes in life. Um, she has poured into my life so much. Um, words could never express the gratitude I am for having you. And when you're looking for someone that would be an absolute perfect balance, it would be a Chris for Anita. Because... Um, when she pours out so much, it's really cool to see how Chris pours into her and gives her the support that she's always needed. Um, so if I could say anything, that you two walking together is such a blessing. And to see how you actually work so well together in ups, downs, up, you know, every which way is 
absolutely amazing. And you guys are blessed to have them. And I'm thankful that they're part of us. <laughs> right on. Uh, thanks, Rainy. Well, uh, why don't you, I'm going to pray for you guys, pray blessing over you. If you want, you can stretch out your hand just as a symbol of your participation and connection with Chris and Anita. God, we are grateful for all of your good gifts. Uh, every good and perfect gift comes from above, Lord, and you have gifted Chris and Anita in so many wonderful ways. And so, God, we thank you that those gifts are from you and that they continue to flow out of these two into the lives of those around them. And so, God, we, we recognize that as an evidence of your presence and your grace in their lives. And, Lord, I pray specifically for Anita right now, uh, just in this time of waiting. Um, your word reminds us when we walk through the waters that you are there. And when we pass through the fires, you are there. We are not alone. And they will not harm us. They will not overwhelm us. And so, Father, we pray for Anita that you would continue to strengthen her faith. And we thank you for your incredible provision for her in the past. And we ask it again for the future in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we pray for Chris. And we thank you for his encouragement and gifts of encouragement. We pray you just even strengthen and use those in powerful ways, not only here, but to a world that needs that and needs to see you in them and in him. And so we receive them with joy and gratitude as one of your gracious gifts to us as a community. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you can be seated and we'll continue uh, with our time of both hearing stories, but also honoring the Lord and worshiping. And I'm going to ask uh, Allie and Steve Nicole if they would come up and they're going to uh, share their experience and learning to walk with Jesus and also what that looks like for them uh, day by day in the things that God has called them to do and to be about. Good morning. Now, I read the memo, which I... I read, and I'm very good at following instructions, as giving our testimony in 100 words or fewer. So I'm not wanting to criticize anyone that's spoken here already this morning, but perhaps they were sent a different memo for very good reasons. Ali also sent hers to me for pre-approval as well, to make sure she was following instructions carefully. <laughs> um, so I'm Ali Nicole. Um, not born in this country. Um, so I knew that God was real. I'd had an experience of being filled with his grace and forgiveness. And this happened during a night in which I'd basically had a kind of, I wouldn't say a vision, a dream, I'm not quite, I can't really describe it. It was one of those experiences, it's very difficult to put into words. But I had gone, had the experience of reliving various events from my past, and during which I'd felt the Spirit of God very clearly telling me that either an event was dealt with, or that I was forgiven. It was just a very, very strong experience. And that it was a once and, all, once and for all forgiveness. Now, for someone coming from a non-Christian home who'd spent the last year or so trying to convince my boyfriend that his faith was nonsense, uh, this was quite a big deal. 
But I was still in some kind of form of denial because I was having a conversation with God, the God that I knew was real, and it went something like this. So it was like, well, hey, you know, God, that's how I do know you're real, but I'm rather busy right now. Uh, I'm in my final year at university. I've got a lot of papers, a lot of work to do, a lot of exams to prepare for. So I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll commit my life to you when I'm finished with my degree, okay? Is that all right? And then I'll have time, and then I can start reading the Bible, and I can start finding out what this, you know, what this experience that I've just had meant. Um, you know, this is me talking to the, my creator, the creator of the entire universe, and we're having this conversation. I'm, I'm trying to cut a deal with him. Um, so I felt, I heard, I'm not quite sure how to describe, but the feeling, you know, was, I'm here right now. And don't you trust me to take care of your future? Uh, yeah, I felt a bit stupid at that time. Fortunately, I was alone in my bed in the middle of the night, so no one else was there to kind of observe this um, conversation. So I did take the plunge that night. I don't actually remember the exact date, but it was sometime in February uh, 1994, three, Nine, some, somewhere in that. Anyway, and four months later, after that time, I actually walked up onto the stage at York University in the UK and received a first-class degree. And that accomplishment to this day, I don't actually feel I fully deserved. I wasn't on track to get a first-class degree when I made that commitment to Christ. I don't think I worked super hard in those last four months of my uh, studies. But for me, it was just part of that testimony of God just saying, see, <laughs> I told you so. There is time for me in your life and for your other life goals. And that's just been something that has, he's shown over and over again over the next however many years since then. Um, that his plans for my life have been so much bigger and so much more glorious than anything I'd ever imagined. Um, and that's where I put a full stop. So there you go. And that's more than 100 words. <laughs> Um, and we agreed, but we can disagree now that we, I was going to go straight on to my show and tell, so I'll do that, because that's the script that we agreed earlier. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Uh, so I brought my violin this morning, and um, probably some of you are sitting here thinking, hmm, she plays the violin, and it's clearly something very important in her life. Why have we never seen that on stage before? And... Um, there is a reason for that, and it's something I've wrestled with over the years. That's something that's so meaningful and such a big part of my life I've not actually used within the church. Um, but I play violin in orchestra, and um, it's a very different experience and a very different kind of music making to what happens on the stage. And just to give you a, a kind of illustration of that, here is the music for the piece that we're going to play in a few minutes. It's a bunch of words and a bunch of symbols scribbled and a few other things that I really don't understand. Um, hold on. This here, oh, okay, Steve, can you hold this up? Is the part for the um, Brahms Symphony that I'm going to be playing in Abbotsford this afternoon in, at three o'clock. Um, it's pages and pages of notes and squiggles and lots and lots of directions and it's every single note of that piece that I get to play is actually written out in extreme detail and so as a player my job is to follow this script <laughs> as closely as possible with every little last nuance put in there there's no kind of 
room for spontaneity and, and going along with the, how you feel in the moment. It's all to actually make this music the most beautiful possible. I have to actually put aside any ideas that I have about the piece um, or my own particular sound. And I'm actually, it's all about blending in and sounding and following the directions as closely as possible. But also, I've only got the part for my violin part, and there's like 20, 30 other parts going on that all mesh in with this. I don't get to see those parts, but I have to listen to them. I have to be very aware. And actually, as a violin player, you're one of, um, the violins are divided into two sections, first and second violin. We play the same instrument, it's just different parts. Um, but your aim is to sound as one. So you're not trying to kind of be the loudest, the best, the kind of, the, you're actually, to be the best uh, orchestral violin player, you have to be totally submissive. Uh, you have to breathe together, you have to move together, you have to listen together, and it's all about um, finding that harmony and finding your place and knowing, okay, at this point, I need to be, there's something else more important happening somewhere else in the orchestra and I need to make sure that I'm playing super quiet and super listening so that this, maybe one lone flute player or one lone bassoon player, they can shine above. Um, and sometimes, I mean, there's lots of jokes in orchestra. You've got, you see the, the guys who kind of loaf around at the back and reading their books and occasionally get up and just, you know, <laughs> bang the cymbals together and everybody hears them. They're one note, you know, and they're so important. And the piece wouldn't be perfect without it, but we're like, wait a minute, they have like one page of new paper, you know, of um, notes, and I've got like pages, of, you know, this is, I don't know to say, you know, 14 pages long of just steady playing. So sometimes there's that feeling, you know, we, we get the kind of, the hard job, we, we play all the time. We're the kind of people who show up week after week and just do all the work, and then the guy comes at the back and <laughs> plays his. You know, but that's like life, isn't it? And, um, and so, I think for me, um, there's just so much I could say about, about playing in an orchestra. And for one thing, it's that one time in the week when I'm just totally absorbed. There's nothing else going on in my life. It, you know, any other thing I think might be thinking about, it's just there's no room for that because it's, you have to put yourself in 100% and concentrate totally. Um, and it fills me up. And there's moments when I've been playing in a symphony orchestra that I've come the closest to experiencing what I hope heaven will be like just in terms of just the sound around you and being part of something that's so much more than yourself. And I think that's how I see my faith as well. I don't, I'm not a lone player, I'm not alone. I'm not a solo, I'm not a star. I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now standing up here on the stage. Um, but um, I like to be part of creating harmony um, and I'm encouraging others in that way and being the supporting sound so that someone else can shine, someone else can have that moment of, of stardom. And, um, and I think also just, you know, I feel with others, I kind of listen to others, so I think it's, you know, it's all, it's all about the, the more you can listen, the more you can submit. You know, and we have this great conductor that we follow in the orchestra and I see God as partly, he's the conductor of my life, and the more I follow his instructions, read them carefully, actually kind of think about what they mean, the more I listen to him, um, the more likely I am to experience his perfect harmony in my life. So. Well, I was one of the guys up at the back. <clears throat> um, I used to be a timpanist and percussionist, and uh, I've demonstrated that one of those big tam-tams, you know, the J. Arthur Rank gongs, 
Um, it's louder than a uh, 300-strong uh, choir. I <laughs> proved it. Um, so, yeah, despite being from the UK, I, uh, I grew up in a, a Christian family, uh, which is pretty unusual there. Uh, we're only about 2% of the population uh, go to church uh, once a month or so. Um, but uh, it wasn't until I was uh, 14 that I actually uh, realized that uh, being a Christian was to do with having a relationship um, with uh, Jesus rather than uh, just uh, attending church, uh, which I didn't enjoy particularly. Um, <clears throat> I actually had one of my old youth leaders, he's a, an elder in, in the, the church in the UK that I grew up in. Um, he and his family came to Vancouver uh, a couple of years ago to visit and uh, he commented that among all of the, the youth leaders of the time, um, if they had done a poll of who in the youth group was the least likely to become a missionary, and I'm, I'm not just talking about my year, I'm talking about sort of 10 years either side. I would have hands down won that. I was uh, such a pain. And uh, I still, um, yeah, every day um, I'm just amazed that uh, God has allowed me to, to work with Wycliffe Bible Translators um, to be part of his family, um, given that I, I know that uh, left to my own devices, uh, yeah, I would have uh, ended up pretty, pretty bad. So, um, yeah, so I'm not going to um, dwell on all the, the terrible, terrible things that, uh, that, I, that I did, just that, um, yeah, I did come to, to that uh, realization that um, Jesus actually was willing to be my friend and um, to take me in hand no matter what I was like um, as a, a teenager, and um, I'm very aware that I'm far from perfect now and never will be perfect and uh, uh, it just amazes me every day that uh, God is, uh, is still there um, wanting to, to embrace me and to, to use me. So that brings me on to um, <clears throat> the thing that I, I brought along. Um, Brad said that it shouldn't be anything to do with work but to be honest <clears throat> at the moment I really don't have a life outside of work um, as uh, Jesse knows. Um, so what I've brought along here is the uh, Chilagani Chivya, the New Testament in the Digo language. Um, yeah, this is, um, <clears throat> this is something quite special um, to, to Ali and myself. And it, does, it ties in with this, this theme of storytelling. Um, if you know anything about Islam, you'll see that this looks like a, a Muslim holy book. It's green and gold. Um, the Digo are a Muslim people, nominally 99.9 something percent Muslim, uh, and yet an awful lot of uh, Digo people are happy to read this book. And that came about through a time in the uh, translation projects where um, I started studying stories and uh, the way that Digo people tell stories. And together as a team, we investigated storytelling. And then we applied what we'd learned to the translation of uh, the Gospels. And we went from a situation where people would have no interest in reading uh, any scripture portions to um, seeing Muslim men, sometimes actually outside of the mosque, um, sitting together, reading. So one who could read would read out loud, other people listening, reading the Gospel of John. 
And I asked some of these guys, I'm really glad that you're reading um, the Gospel of John, but uh, I've never seen this before. Um, what, do you, what do you think of it? And they just said, it sounds so good. It's so sweet. It's, we just enjoy the story. It's great. Um, and it's about uh, the prophet Jesus, and we know about him. He is a prophet. And um, so an awful lot of uh, Digo people came to um, know Jesus um, they wouldn't call themselves Christians, most of them. They, they meet in homes and they study this book and they pray together. Um, but they are, they, they are followers of Jesus. That's how they would describe themselves. And um, they're followers of Jesus uh, in part because um, they've been hooked by the story in this book. And so my passion in life is to uh, help others to be able to, to tell this story in their own languages. So... Um, yeah, when I, I really uh, feel like I, I come alive and, um, and God is, is really sort of working through me in a really tangible way is when I'm in Africa, in Central African Republic or in Congo or in India or wherever it is, um, working with translators um, to get them to see the beauty in their own language and to put some of that beauty into the translation of uh, of this book uh, for their own people. Well, let's take some time to uh, respond and give words of blessing and affirmation, scripture and prayer uh, for Steve and for Allie. The interactions I've had with, uh, with you as a, has mostly been with Steve. Um, but Steve, I've really appreciated uh, the conversations that we've had as uh, you shared about coming into this country and the, the whole process through the bureaucracy. And uh, I really related that because we've done something the same and uh, when we were down in the States trying to be Americans. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, I've really appreciated those conversations and uh, sent some depth in you. And, you know, you're not a chatty Cathy. Uh, <laughs> I've just really appreciated those conversations. Allie, I've really got to know you in our ladies group and have come to appreciate um, what a strong example of your faith you've lived out in the group as I see the struggles that you've gone through with the immigration and stuff. Um, and even in your downest times, you are still shining the example of your trust in God and your belief in him. So it's been such an encouragement to me, and I thank you for that. I know for me, Steve... Uh, when I was in seminary, I always held the linguistic students in uh, very high esteem. They were at an academic intelligence level um, beyond mine. And, uh, and yet I was struck as you were sharing your story this morning, and that's your sweet spot, and God has gifted you with this incredible ability uh, and knowledge. Um, and uh, this morning I walk in and you're setting up chairs for us and speaks to the humility and uh, the realness of who I've am to know the Nicoles as, and both you and Allie and your kids. And um, thank you. Thank you for 
being open and uh, uh, willing to um, be the, you know, the clanging cymbal in the back, uh, or the person setting up chairs, or the person playing the lovely melody along the way, um, or when God calls you to be that point person, you know, in Africa somewhere. So appreciate the, your willingness to uh, to be those things in our midst. Well, why don't we stretch out our hands towards Stephen Alley and Wally, can you lead us in uh, prayer? Yeah, Father, we thank you for this uh, couple and their story. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the amazing beauty in how you wove yourself into their lives and uh, have become the fabric of their story. Thank you for uh, the... Uh, influence that they have here amongst us and with us in Jericho. Thank you that uh, you have uh, uh, blessed them with a new home here, but we're also mindful, Lord, that they have networks in the UK and in Africa uh, and other places around the world uh, where their story about you is extending. And so we pray your blessing and favor on them as a couple, as uh, as husband and wife, as mom and dad, and their family, their kids, um, most of all, Lord, we pray your blessing on them as your storytellers. Uh, Lord, would you allow the, the, the words that they share, the works that they accomplish, um, yeah, would you give them favor uh, in the various settings that you're placing them? And Lord, would you continue to give them joy in sharing your story? Uh, we, we join them and we bless them, Lord. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I'm going to invite everyone whom we're receiving into membership uh, this morning, and this is both from our spring class and also from our fall class, to just make a line down here in the front. And uh, we're going to uh, pray a blessing over you, and then we'll conclude uh, with a song. So that's Chris and Anita and Lauren and Margaret and Steve and Allie. Uh, Deb Groom, who's not well today, Pam, uh, Price, Wendy Jansen, uh, Kevin, and Kevin's wife, Brianne O'Coin, is upstairs. Uh, Sandy's here as well, and uh, Muriel, and uh, Deb Vong as well. There you go. All right. All right. So let's just stretch out uh, our hands, and uh, we'll, can I get somebody to volunteer to uh, offer a prayer of blessing? All right, Ruth Allen. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for these people that you have called into our community. I thank you for the way that they are enriching um, your community here and, and you're enriching the body of Christ. I thank you for the ways that you have equipped them and called them to love and to serve in Langley. I thank you for the ways that you are speaking to each of them about um, what you've created them for, who you are, and how you see them. I ask that you would bless them, that this community that they become a part of, that each of us would be um, ready and willing to receive them with open arms and that we would be um, loving community to them as well, that they would experience the joy of community here at Jericho. They would experience the depth of your love through um, the friends and the conversations and the good food and the good music as we learn and share more about who you are. So I ask that you bless them today and we thank you that we can welcome them as part of our family. Amen.
So uh, we have one more song, and Ali, why this song? What's the significance for you? Okay, this is a song that I first heard um, as a new believer. Um, I was sent by uh, Steve's church down to serve in a summer camp. Uh, now, it's not a summer camp like any that you would find in Canada. Uh, this summer camp was in a very posh private boarding school in England and was um, targeting the kind of kids that go to these posh private schools in England, which was very, very far out of my comfort zone. Um, I went there as a lady helper. Even that title kind of bristled somewhat. I was a sort of coming out of my rather more militant feminist student days. Um, but God really used that time to, to teach me um, a lot about the fundamentals of, of, of the faith. And um, there were some very powerful uh, teaching sessions by some of the top theologians in, in, the U, in the UK. It's one of those powerhouses of what, evangelism, I suppose. And, um, and the worship was something else as well. They were almost all men, like boys and men on this. We were like about 15 ladies, but everyone else was male. And so when they got together to sing, it wasn't anything like I'd heard before. The boys in my school used to kind of mouth words, but they never actually sang. So to suddenly hear uh, lots, you know, lots of very enthusiastic singing uh, made a deep impression. And this song particularly is one of those ones that I remember from that time. And I've already, always experienced God in nature. Um, and the, the, the line in the chorus when it's just saying, my, um, my soul sings, um, it's just that really touches me. Now, we did mention on the, on the old-fashioned uh, nature of the word, how great thou art. Um, and as a Bible translator, we're committed to sort of putting uh, um, truth into sort of language that everybody can understand. Um, so I struggled with that a little bit, but, you know, I've tried singing how great you are in this song, and it just doesn't work. So well, let's go with thou art. It just, it's just the poetry and the music that work together. So...